God to us, we'd appreciate it. Let's, let's receive him. We're, we're, we've been very close for years. I'm on, but that's not on. There you are. Hallelujah. Good morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for Abundant Life Church. Thank you for Pastor David and Becky. Thank you that each member this morning has ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit of God got to say. This morning, this day, is ordained of God for you. What you're going to hear me share today is life-saving and life-changing. And it's coming from someone who has experienced every word you're going to hear today. No exceptions. In my first New Orleans ministry this morning, I wanted to minister from this book. I said, no, they can buy the book and read it. <laughs> but Jesus said to us, as he said to the religious leaders that asked him a question. What's the most important thing? Of all the things there is, what's the most important thing? And most of us would say, well, that's when Jesus said, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and all of it. That's not the first thing he said. In answering their question, he said the most important thing is that you listen to the Lord your God. Listen. And then he said, quoting it from the message translation, love the Lord your God with all your passion, with all your prayers, with all your intelligence, and with all your energy or muscles. Wow. And as some of you know my wife, she's a college professor, she's a high school principal, she is a professional teacher and a professional Christian. I said, Lord, I can't love you as much as my wife. She's smarter than I am. In fact, most people are. And listen, he said, James, I didn't tell you to love me according to her intelligence. I said according to yours. And if you're loving me with all you got, that satisfies me. That's perfect love. And perfect love casts out all fear. 
But I'm not going to preach on that this morning. You have to buy the book. You don't have to buy the book, but if you don't, you're going to wish you had. It's $10 a piece. Now, I can't give this one away because I rewrote it already. <laughs> Went back and read it and highlighted and added a couple of sentences to every page almost. But it's out there. It talks about hugging and a tugging. Did you know the woman with the issue of blood? She got healed because she's a hug and a tugger. Hugging means you adopted what you heard. And then you tug on it, you ought to constantly pull for it. But in the midst of that hugging and tugging, there was a struggle. She had to struggle through the crowd. She had to struggle to get to the place to touch the hem of his garment. And people don't like to struggle. But I've got good news for you. As long as you're struggling, that means you haven't quit. She didn't quit. You don't quit neither. You keep hugging and tugging and your struggles will come to an end. So the books out there, $10, and if you don't act soon, it's gonna go up to 15. But, <laughs> Two for 20. <laughs> they're on sale today for $10. <laughs> and, um, and then after you read the book, you can, can send a tip. <laughs> Is that okay? So what am I going to share with you today? The title of this message was, and still is, what's the age got to do with it? Nothing. God don't care whether you're 10 years old or 110. Age has nothing to do with it, but faith and love does. On June the 23rd, 1915, I basically fell over dead. <clears throat> I played golf that morning, came back from the golf course, and my wife had gone to a meeting at the church, and I came in and I was going to take a shower and then meet her and we're going for lunch. I came from the golf course opened the front door, walked in the living room, and everything turned upside down. I couldn't walk straight, I couldn't see straight, I couldn't do nothing. I just couldn't get to my cell phone, and I called a friend of mine, I said, something's not right, I need to get to the hospital. And before him and his wife got to the house, I went out. And just as they got there, I stood up a little bit again, but I was like I was drunk. I mean, everything was spinning. <clears throat> and while this was taking place, I heard these words. You'll live and not die, and you'll proclaim my gospel. 
I heard those words just as clear. I didn't confess them. I don't know if I'd ever have confessed them before. But I know I've read them, and the Holy Spirit brought it to my remembrance and spoke them. And we got in the back of the SUV, I did, and they took me to the emergency room. And I just remember, about the time they, I laid down on a bed, I had a vision. And I saw the Bible open up to Psalm 118, verse 17. You'll live and not die and proclaim my gospel. And for the next three weeks, I didn't know nothing about life. They put me in a coma for five days to find out what was wrong with me. My kidneys completely shut down. <clears throat> my lungs were full of pneumonia. My thyroid gland corrupted, and they discovered that I was also bipolar, not bipolar, what do you call it? Diabetes. I don't know if I was living or not. I couldn't tell. I remember one time during the first two weeks, I opened my eyes and I saw Mary standing beside me, and I saw Lauren and Joy Hershey, pastors, standing there. And that's about all I remember. And I stayed in intensive care for three weeks. I stayed in the hospital for, seemed like half my life. <laughs> and got so weak I couldn't even pick up the remote control on the TV. I had to learn to walk again. I had to learn to use my arms again. I had to learn to do just about everything all over again. But what I'm getting ready to tell you is from the Word of God, and I'll share the scriptures to set it, to prove it to you. There were a series of things that took place to set the stage for God's miraculous healing power to manifest. Now today, my kidneys are normal. I have no water in my lungs to clear. And back up further than that, seven years ago, I was diagnosed with asbestos on my lungs, and today I don't have that neither. And my blood pressure is 124 over 62. Except when I get upset. <laughs> <laughs> It goes up. <laughs> but praise God, it can go up and down. It's moving. It's <laughs> not frozen. So what took place by the Holy Ghost because this the manifest? And for you that don't know, I'm 76 years old. Age has nothing to do with it. The first thing was this. <clears throat> I've always loved the Lord since I've been born again. I don't, it's not a day that goes by that I don't talk to somebody about Jesus. 
That's the truth. I mean, I don't care where I am, somebody's going to hear about Jesus. They may already be born again. They may not be. <clears throat> but they're going to hear about Jesus or the Word. But in this particular setting, the first thing I heard was a prophetic word from the Word of God. You live and not die and proclaim my gospel. In church, the Word of God is prophetic utterances for you. It can be spoken by the Holy Ghost. It can be spoken by the printed page. Or God could use someone to speak it to you. But it's His Word. And the Holy Ghost manifested Himself and spoke those words to me and showed them to me on a printed page. <clears throat> but when this happened, my wife, because of her love for me, she praying, but she did something else. I don't know if I could have had control if I'd have done it, but she did it. She called eight people and asked them to pray and to keep their mouth shut. Some of the people were in New Jersey. Some of the people were in the state of Iowa. And they prayed. They interceded. They prayed. I couldn't. I was out. I couldn't even confess a word. I'm out. I'm on vacation, period. Out. Had a team of seven doctors. All top of their field experts. They're doing all they knew to do. But I knew that Jesus was the offering and finish for my faith. Amen. So I got this precious promise. I got these people interceding for me. What next? Fight the good fight of faith. And by this time, I've come to myself and I can talk and I can think and share the word. And I discovered there were some things more precious to me at that particular time in my life than what I thought they used to be. All of a sudden, I realized my faith was precious. <laughs> I come to realize real quick that the promises of God are precious and they're not to be taken lightly. Amen. They're not to be taken for granted. They are precious. My wife was precious. Jesus was precious to me. Jason was precious to me. Me was precious to me. <laughs> and if you don't think you're precious, 
You need to look at yourself again through the Word of God. God said you're precious. That's right. And when you know something's precious, you're going to fight for it. You're going to do all you know to do to protect it and not let anyone steal it. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy it. That's his job. He is a professional at it. And sad thing to say, he uses people. I know he didn't use you, but he uses people. Them people, you know what I mean? People. Sometimes we've all cooperated a little bit with him. But if we're not cooperating with him, we were going to be cooperating with the flesh or we're going to be cooperating with the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> and you can figure that out. So I got these precious promises and I'm fighting a good fight of faith. Now here's a catch. How do you fight the good fight of faith? What do you do? Well, in this midst of my fighting the good fight of faith, I did what I've learned over the years. I learned to cast down all imaginations, principalities, rulers, and wickedness, heavenly places. Because I'm telling you, when you're laying in a hospital room, there's a lot of imaginations. Especially when they don't know what's wrong with you. And they don't know whether you're gonna live or die. Your imagination can go bananas. Bad bananas. <laughs> so I learned to cast down all imaginations principalities, rulers, and looking into heavenly places, and bring every fault into captivity into the obedience of Christ. Now I realize I better start thinking on things with the pure, true, and good if I was going to win the fight. And that's what I was doing. But church, I'm telling you, up to that point, I'd come out of the coma. I was eating some. I'd lost about 40-something pounds. And it didn't seem like I was getting no better. And I, one night, I got just plumb tired. And I'm laying there, and I said, Lord, I'm tired. <laughs> I am way out tired. I'm tired of laying in the bed. I'm tired of looking at nurses. I'm tired of looking at doctors. I'm tired of this hospital room. And I'm tired of just saying the word of God. I'm just tired of everything. But I didn't want to die, but I was tired. <laughs> now let me tell you something, church. He's your heavenly father. You should be able to talk to him about anything. You should be able to go to him and talk to him about anything that's bothering you and you talk to him. And that's what I was doing. I wasn't talking to him as God. I was talking to him as my father. Yeah. And that's a difference. But she died in faith. 
I said she died in faith. Yes. Everything we do is supposed to do it by faith. And then I had to face the music, if you want to call it music. Lord, who's going to want me to pray for him now? And I can't even believe God for my wife to live. <clears throat> you want me to tell you what the Holy Spirit told me? He said, her living and dying has got nothing to do with your faith. Your faith is in me. No. Oh, in my word. Oh. So the next time I was mentioned, I said, Lord, please let your miraculous power flow. <laughs> and I prayed for somebody that evening and the Lord healed them. That kept me on track. <laughs> Does that sound foolish to you? It's not when you've been there. <laughs> and um, thank God you can still use me. He can still use the word. <coughs> Hallelujah. And then, Getting back to what happened that June and after that. One night I had a vision. It's the second time in my life I've had a vision of heaven and hell both. And in this vision, it was like I was looking at two screens like this up here. In one screen was a picture of heaven. Just a glorious, marvelous light. Like the throne room of God. Didn't see God, but I knew it was heaven. And on the other side was another big screen and it was hell. It was dark looking and flames of fires. And didn't hear nothing, just saw it. I said, Lord, why are you showing me a picture of hell? I'm not going there, I'm your child. I don't see no picture of hell. Said, look again. And I blinked my eyes and I looked at the two things again, and this time when I looked at them, they could have been there the first time, but I didn't see them. But this time when I looked at both visions, the vision of heaven had hands. You could see hands like this. All kind of hands, all raising up before the Lord, singing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I looked at the other vision, and I saw hands there. You know what they were doing? Every one of them, no exceptions. They're all doing this, like they're trying to grab a hold of something to get out. 
but there was nothing to grab a hold of. I said, Lord, why did you show me this vision? He said, people need to know that heaven's real and hell's real. They're both real places. <clears throat> and then he said this to me. When I tell you to, you tell people you saw this vision. And when you do, people are going to get born again. And not long after that, and I got my strength back, and I went back to witnessing with the church, and we're going downtown to boot and witnessing and the laundry mats and so forth. <laughs> this man come riding down the street on his bicycle with a backpack. And the other people on the team saw him. I saw him. And when I was driving in, I saw him. I said, maybe you come back by and I can stop and talk to him. And I parked my car and we went in there and then one of the ladies on the team Brother James, we need to go talk to that guy on the bicycle. I said, if the Lord told you to do it, go do it. No, he said, we. Me and you. So we kind of double-stepped a little bit and caught him. And I said, Mister, we got slow down a minute. We need to talk to you a minute. And um, he stopped, and we, he's sitting on his bicycle like this. I said, I just want to tell you about a vision I had. And I told him what I just told you. And the lady who was with me, she had no idea what I was going to say. I didn't even to start off. She said, ah, speeches, God. And the man got off his bicycle and got born again. And she goes flying back to the laundry mat, turning that back. Oh my gosh, you should have been there. It was marvelous. It was like church. Brother James told him about heaven and hell, and the man got born again. Well, God don't lie. If he tells you to do something, you do it. It's going to be the way he said it. Hello? Now, I don't know who that just applied to here. But undoubtedly, there's somebody here that hasn't genuinely received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. That you know it inside here that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead. And in a few minutes, you're going to have an opportunity to use God's faith that he gave you to activate his grace to save you. Your faith is precious. It's so precious, church, that it will activate God's grace. And God's grace is sufficient for anything.
God's grace flowing through you will cause your children to be saved and cause people that are living an evil life to be changed and get saved. Your grace, God's grace flowing through you will affect the people around about you. There's mothers and parents and fathers in this room right now that got children they look like they're hell-bound. But I'm telling you, you fight the good fight of faith and keep your grace activated and your grace will pull them through. God's grace flowing through you will pull them out of it. I know that. I've seen it happen. God's grace is sufficient. Say God's grace is sufficient. And I use my faith to activate His grace. Hallelujah. Is that complicated? His grace is sufficient. You have a promise. You got difference. If you're looking at him as just God, you're going to turn everything over to him and think he's God and he's in charge. But praise God, he is God. But more than that, he's your heavenly father. And guess what? He's your heavenly father. And he gives his children responsibilities. Mm. Any good father would give his children responsibilities. That's what helped them grow and mature. And that's how they come to know their father. Wow. So I unloaded my whole self to him, mostly on how I felt. He knew I was tired. And while I'm laying there saying these things, I heard these words. I'm here. I know you're here. You told me you'd never leave me nor forsake me. I'm here. And of all the people that have to be told that, it was me. I'm the one that's supposed to know so much about the Holy Ghost. I wrote books on the Holy Ghost. I've probably done more teaching on the Holy Ghost than any other subject from the Word of God. And it's the Holy Spirit saying, I'm here. And all of a sudden, I just started crying like a baby. Tears just started flowing down my face, uncontrollable. I mean, I'm just crying, crying, and crying. It's God, Lord Jesus. 
Holy Ghost, forgive me. Forgive me. I've been so entangled with fighting a good fight of faith and quoting scriptures that I left the Holy Ghost sitting on the side. There's a Father, there's a Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I just got so involved with the Word, Jesus, and other things, I didn't give them the Holy Spirit. No time. I hadn't even been guilty of asking the Holy Spirit anything. And when I realized, when I realized saying I'm here, and I started crying, and I asked him to forgive me. And I said, Holy Spirit, I need you. And I distinctly lay there, crying before the Lord, Holy Spirit, I need you to comfort me. Holy Spirit, I need you to strengthen me. Holy Spirit, I need you to strength, counsel me. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me, stand by me, be my advocate. Holy Spirit, I need you. I want your help. And next thing you know, I'm sitting there, I'm perked up, and my strength and my healing just speeded up. A hundredfold. Now all this took place over a period of weeks. I just compacted it for you. And I'm telling you, church, there's not a person in this congregation that sometime in your life you will need the healer. There's not a person here that hasn't had an opportunity to be healed, and you'll probably have another opportunity when you will need to be healed. Hello? It might not be major. Even if you cut your finger, you need the healer. <laughs> and I'm not trying to say everybody's going sick just to prove a point, but that's just the way things are. We all have opportunities to get sick and we have opportunities to get well. And we all have a precious promise. Jesus is your healer. Amen. And you just consider the things of God to be very precious. Very precious. And you fight the good fight of faith to protect those things that are precious. Fight the good fight of faith for your children, your husband, your wife, and everybody. Then we come across this point in my life when my wife passed away on February 19th, 10 minutes after 10. <clears throat> 
a woman that loved God, probably more than any person I know, she loved Jesus. Totally committed to him. Committed to being my wife and Jason's mother. Committed to doing what God wanted her to do and going where we were supposed to go and what we did. <clears throat> but she died. About 10 days before she was turned 70, she passed away. Several months before our 40th anniversary, she passed out, she passed away. She checked out and she's with Jesus. And um, she's in a good place, she's in a happy place. And I'm not mad at God, I'm not mad at nobody. Because I discovered nothing can separate me from the love of God. Not even death. My death or anybody else's death can separate me from the love of God unless I let it. And I'm not going to let it. And she's a great cloud of witnesses up there today. And I'm her all-star player. I'm the one she's rooting for the most down here. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you understand? You get the point? And um, just before she passed away, maybe three days before she, her flesh quit working, her and I were talking. And this happened a number of times. The glory of God would just manifest so much. And one time it manifested so much, I was surprised we were both there. I thought we were both going out. Now the nurse came in and I'm ended up here and I come to wherever I was and Mary sitting there in the glory of the Lord lit up like a Christmas tree. I said, she done gone, bye-bye. But she didn't, she came back and maybe on and off for a couple of weeks. She kept seeing the glory of God. Sometimes I did, but most time it's her. And people would come from Dubuque to our city to try to encourage her, and they'd leave the hospital room in tears. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad I came. And Mary just ministered life to them. Doctors from India got born again. She, she didn't slow down a bit. And, uh, and when it comes time, she just checked out. No pain, wasn't taking no medicine. She died of leukemia. She had leukemia and it got in remission and it was all completely gone. And she was scheduled to have a transplant, blood transplant. And um, a couple of days before it was scheduled to take start, the leukemia showed back up and it was worse than it was before. And, it wasn't long after that that she checked out to be with the Lord. Faith. You got the Holy Ghost. Now I'll get to my message. <clears throat> 
<laughs> you think I'm joking? <laughs> I am joking. <laughs> John chapter 14, just real quick here. John chapter 14. Somebody told me the other week they never knew what to expect from me. I don't even. So, but I've been very calm today. I haven't been wild. Have I been wild? No. no. I got a couple more minutes. <clears throat> John chapter 14. Um, hallelujah. What am I looking for? Um, Jesus said this in John 14, 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. He will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you into the truth. The Holy Spirit will lead you to a promise. It's true. His word is true and forever settled in heaven. And he said, Jesus said, You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Yeah. But the key don't look at him, I'm looking at him. <laughs> and why you elbow him for it? No, like now you, she's patting you on the knee. She probably said, thank God, you hear what he said? <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah, I know I got some ribs that have been poked a lot. Ooh. Hallelujah. My wife used to go boop. I said, mind your own business. I'm listening for myself. <laughs> Isn't that right, Gary? Right. Tell Judy to listen for her own, mind her own business. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So he's going to give you another advocate who never leave you, call the Holy Spirit. And then he said this in verse 26, but when the Father sent the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. He will remind you of everything he said to you. Regardless of how far along back it was said, he can still bring it to your remembrance. That's what he did with me with Psalm 118, verse 17. You live and not die and proclaim my gospel. And just for you that might not know, I teach the gospel every Sunday for three hours, except in June and July and August. <clears throat> I'm a teacher and the director of Life Christian University in Dubuque. And I teach the Bible three hours every Sunday afternoon from 5 to 8 o'clock. 
it's an amazing time. Just as the football games are coming to the final quarter, just as when the golf tournaments are coming to the final two holes, I got to check out and go teach. You have to learn to put the flesh under. So I catch up when I had the first class break, I turned my cell phone on, see what the score was. <laughs> and then I keep on teaching. But, <laughs> but those little things, you got to learn to push aside. And, um, but in John chapter 16, When the Spirit of Truth comes, this is in verse 13 of John 16, when the Spirit of Truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about your future. Is that what not He did to me? With Psalm 118, verse 17. He said, James, your future is this. You're not going to die now. You're going to live and proclaim my gospel. He's the spirit of truth. And he does not lie. And that truth, when you hear it and believe it, and receive it and walk it out and talk it out will set you free. A couple in the church in the boot. Wow. There's no clocks in here. Wow. I love this place. <laughs> Don't you point it out. I said, I don't see no clock. <laughs> you interrupted my day. <laughs> Did something for me, and I wrote him a note, and I said, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know. I'll do what I can. <clears throat> and if I can't do it, I'll find someone else to do it. And they wrote me back a note and said, there's something you can do. We'd like for you to teach us faith, healing, and authority. So I write them a lesson every Sunday night or even Monday morning. I write them a teaching on one of those three subjects. Most of them are combined together. That's what I do. That's what I enjoy doing. And um, it was real interesting because I'm not using notes I wrote before. I'm just writing whatever the Lord brings to my amendments and shows me at that moment. And I noticed something. I started off telling them I gave them some definitions. 
And I'm going to close with this. I gave them the definition of faith. And it seems like most people have that definition pretty well down pat. Faith in God. Faith is believing what God said, not being moved with what you see and feel, calling those things that are not as though they were. Faith in His Word. <clears throat> but who's God? What about God? You're supposed to have, Jesus said, have faith in God. God is love. And if you don't have faith that God loves you, your faith, it's going to be a hard time for you to believe that He'll do anything for you. You must believe that he's love. But there's another thing I ask them to put in their heart and mind and never forget, and that was this. Have faith in the Holy Ghost. That means have faith in the Holy Ghost to the point that you believe and know he knows what he's doing. And right there in Mark chapter 11, in the beginning, is a good example. It works. And as you and Jefferson Hour put this more into operation into your life, you're going to see things multiply. mentally, physically, and spiritually. And in the physical realm, it'll be with finances and health. God didn't call and raise up Jefferson and this church just to exist. And as you grow, in the Lord, you'll glow. And as you glow, you'll grow. <clears throat> you catch that? Now, here's a word for this church. I wrote it down. When I first wrote it down, it I wasn't thinking about Abundant Life Church in Jefferson. I was writing a note to someone and the Lord gave me this word. And before I wrote the note, I spoke it. I was having a group at my house to teach healing group. And I did it for about eight weeks and for a couple of years, I did it every eight weeks, a different group. And the last time we were together, before I said I'm going to stop for a while, I was teaching on the covenant, the covenant of God. 
and I was sharing some about the blood covenant and so forth and so on. And just as I got to the end, I said, Hallelujah! Ooh, I got loud. Hallelujah! Is a covenant of freedom. Did you hear what I said? It's a covenant of freedom. Uh, not just freedom from the curse to the law of poverty, sickness, and death, but a freedom to proclaim Christ. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. Let freedom reign. Yes. Glory. Hallelujah. And as I pondered on it, this is what came forth. Thank God we've been set free from the curse of law of poverty, sickness, and death. Amen? Amen. How many of you thank God for that? Yes. Thank God a new and better covenant was made. But let us not forget it was and still is a covenant of freedom. Now watch, oh my Lord. Oh, hallelujah. To endorse Jesus as Lord of Lord and King of Kings. We do have the freedom to endorse the kingdom of God. Use your freedom in Christ Jesus to endorse Jesus as the one who sets men free. Endorse his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, his grace, his peace, his healing, his prosperity, his righteousness, his word, the Holy Spirit. Endorse these things and he will sponsor you. Hallelujah. Glory. Wow. Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan became rich endorsing tennis shoes and some kind of something else. We can become rich endorsing Christ Jesus and the things of God's kingdom. As we endorse his fans, never forget this. In fact, if they give me permission, I'll ask somebody to go make copies of this and everybody get a copy of this before you leave. Don't you never forget what I'm getting, the Lord getting ready to tell you. Never forget it. Promise? Promise. Raise your hand. Thank you. You raise your hand. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> As we endorse his fans, the Holy Spirit will convince them that they need what we're endorsing. You ready? His product worked, guaranteed by the Holy Ghost. Whatever you endorse, 
pays off from the kingdom of God. If you endorse the things of the flesh and the things of the enemy, they're gonna pay off too, but not very nice. Endorse what you have in Christ Jesus and God will take care of you. He will sponsor you. That contract's been signed in blood. It's guaranteed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's what the Holy Spirit asked me to share with you today. I pray you listened. I pray that you heard. And I pray that every time you sat down in this church, to come here, Pastor David and Pastor Becky, or whoever it might be, that every time you open the Word of God and read it, that every time you open up to read that book, Love and Light for Knowledge and Blessings, that you listen. That you don't come here to be healed. You don't read the book to be healed. You come here to listen. The Bible says, they come to hear what Jesus had to say and to be healed. Don't put it in the wrong order. Listen and you'll be set free. Yes. Because when you're listening, you're hearing the truth and receiving the truth and you will be set free. Notice I didn't give no invitation for anything yet. <clears throat> if you believe that I'm supposed to pray for you today, you can come forth and I will. And that's all I'm going to say. The Holy Spirit told me to make myself available. They lay hands on anybody more than hands laid on them. And if they, if the Holy Spirit tells you that I'm supposed to do that, when you stand up, you walk forward, your faith will be in the process of being released and you do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, and I do what the Holy Spirit tells me to do, guess what? It produces what the Holy Spirit wants done. Is that hard enough to understand? Is that too simple? Anybody want prayer, you can come forth. David? Hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You stand over here. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Anyone else? Hallelujah. Glory be to God. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Of a man called Jesus that believed and put faith in the Holy Ghost. As you know, the story goes, 
he was on his way to Jerusalem. <clears throat> and um, he needed a donkey. So he sent a couple of people into town and said, now, now this is Operation the Holy Ghost. Revelation knowledge and all these things in the manifestation. Jesus said, you go into town and you're going to find a coat tied there. You just untie the coat and bring them here. And then if anybody asks you about it, you just tell them I need it. So they went to town and they see this coat, a young coat. Now listen to this. It's a young coat that no one had ever ridden before. It says that. And they brought him to Jesus. And it says, paraphrasing it, he said, they, they, they said to the people exactly what Jesus told them to say. The Bible says they said that. And they come to back with Jesus, gave him the coat. This is amazing. God gave us authority over coats, donkeys, whatever you want to call them. They put a blanket on this young coat that had never been rode before, put the blanket on it, and Jesus sat on it and rode off. Well, I've got news for you. The first time I sat on a young coat, he put my butt on the ground. <laughs> He did. I've never seen anybody just sit on a brand new coat, nobody rode before, and not buck and carry on. Here comes Mr. Cool Jesus, operating in faith, doing exactly what the Holy Ghost told him to say and do, and there was peace. And that coat just behaved himself and took the master right where he needed to go. And it says, depending on what translation you read, it says he walked that road that coat through Jerusalem, the people he was the center of the possession. He was the main attraction. I want to tell you something, church. When you and I are doing exactly what the Holy Spirit said, the way he said do it, Jesus is the center of your parade. And when Jesus is the center of our parade, people are going to shout, Amen, Hallelujah. That's what they did. Who and what is the center of your possession? Who and what is the center of your parade in life? I pray to God it's not what I saw when I first rode into Jefferson yesterday. I saw, uh, what do you call them things? Saloon? No, <laughs> casinos. A casino in Jefferson. <laughs> I looked at Jason, I said, Jason, can you believe that? That is a casino. Yeah, I know. I saw that. Well, you can do like my mom and her friends did in the 1950s. They opened up something like that in the beach where we, I was born and raised. 
and my mom and about six or seven other young ladies. At that time, they were young. They were praying about it, and they put their legs on their prayers, and they went and burnt the place down. I'm not telling you to go burn the saloon down. <laughs> that was in South Carolina in, in the early 50s. And when your uncle's the county sheriff, you don't, they don't bother you much, you know. <laughs> but you can't put legs on your prayers and change some things. <laughs> Hallelujah. Y'all learn anything today? What your hands gonna be doing when you die? Are they going to be up there in a place praising the Lord? Are they going to be in a place grasping a hold of something to try to get it out? And if you don't know, you don't know. And if you don't know, that means you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Because when you know that Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior, you know you're going to heaven. And I'm not saying that to embarrass nobody. I'm saying that to try to save your life. Amen. Yes. The coming to church is not one of the things that makes you go to heaven. Right. That helps you equip to have heaven on earth. But it's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and believing that he's the son of God and that God raised him to dead, that's what gets a person saved. And in Romans 10, 8, 9, 10, and 11, in verse 11 it says, and when you do that, you'll not be ashamed. Glory be to God. Can you imagine that? Calling on the name of the Lord, receiving Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you don't have to be ashamed no more about nothing. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Somebody told me before I left the boot, James, tell them stories. People like to hear stories. I just told you a story that happened in my life. I could tell you something that make you laugh. But I'm here today to share things with you to help you have a very successful life, not just to survive. God in age has nothing to do with it. If I can believe God at 74 years old age to live and not die and get well, you can too. I've been believing God to live and die for a long time. I've had a lot of opportunities to be dead. But faith keeps on working. Grace keeps on working. You know why? Not because I'm perfect. 
is because I keep loving God. <clears throat> That's a major key. To know that God loves you. I'm telling you, church, God loves you. You are an object of God's love. But guess what? He's got to make a round trip. He loved us. We love him. He loves us back. And guess what? When he loves us back, that means we're going to have a tangible experience of his love in our life. You're loving him by faith because you can't see him. It's faith all the way. You love him by faith. And faith is what pleases him. But as David Engel sings in a song, love the key. Faith is the answer, but love is the key. Love of God, knowing God loves you, is a major key in you having heaven on earth. How do you expect 1 Corinthians 13 to flow in our lives if we don't want to love God with all our passion, with all our prayers, with all our intelligence, with all our energy? Why? Wow. Fill me, fill my heart. Glory, you know him as your Lord and Savior. I do. Father God, we thank you for the anointing. Your faith made you whole in Jesus' name. Glory be to God forevermore. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah.
stand to our feet and let's lift up our hands. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We give you glory and honor. We thank you for your healing power that sets us free, that flows through this place. Father, we thank you for that corporate anointing that manifests itself to bring healing into each and every life. Father, we choose Jesus today. We choose to follow you with all of our heart, with all of our strength, with all of our might. Father, we thank you that our faith is knowing that you love us unconditionally and that your love will never fail us. Thank you for the leading of your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we want you to have your way that you might be glorified in and through our lives. We thank you for your goodness and the opportunity that we've had today to come together, to hear your word, to experience the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit. And Father, we want you to be glorified in our lives. Use us, Father. And Father, we ask it in Jesus' name that you would use us to touch the lives of others, that you might be glorified. And so, Father, as we leave today, we thank you as we go into this world, that world that is so needed, that so needs you. Use us as your vessels. So, Father, we go in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So as you go, go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. In the glorious name of Jesus, amen. Give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them and be blessed. And remember the book, Outside.